All right, I think we're broadcasting. <laughs> Man, I think we melted the internet there. Yeah, that was insane. Sorry, we uh, uh, I'm actually doing this from uh, David Sachs' Twitter account uh, because uh, it looks like doing it from mine basically <laughs> broke the Twitter system. Um, anyway, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, we're incredibly excited to announce uh, the if you want to have to have uh, Governor DeSantis uh, on with us for this, this uh, historic announcement, um, and then look forward to uh, live Q and A from. Uh, the audience. So, yeah, uh, yeah with, with that. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, can are you there? Can you hear us? I think you. Broke- I'm right, here. I know. I think I think you broke the internet there. We had over half a million people in one Twitter space, and it was growing by like fifty thousand a minute. So, uh, congrats on uh, on breaking the internet there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, try some you know new things. You're, you're gonna. Yes. Uh, it's adventurous. So. Yes. Um, but so, I, I think the, the, the value here is, is actually really high for people to hear directly from uh, presidential candidates and to answer a Q&A live. And you can get a sense for what, how a candidate uh, really is, you know, and, and where it's not just uh, canned speeches and uh, teleprompters. Uh, it's, uh, you, in fact, you can tell by the, you know, some of the mistakes that, that it's real. Um, yeah. So, um, anyway, with, with, with that, I, I guess I should turn it over to um yeah well yeah. let's see so yeah governor there's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of months about your your plans um i understand that you may have an announcement to make uh we've got i think a, a record audience assembled here uh you know the probably the biggest uh room that's probably ever been assembled online uh, what, what would you like to tell them well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Folks, remember where you were on this day, May 24th, 2023, when future president Ron DeSantis announced his candidacy on Elon Musk's Twitter spaces. What a shit show. Dear God. I mean, it just keeps getting funnier. It's hard to... Six months ago, I was terrified of this guy. I thought he was going to be the next president and, you know, he'd managed to get a third, fourth, fifth term or whatever, but he is absolutely shitting the bed and it is delicious. Yum, yum, yum. I love it. And I don't. I won't go into the details of the Twitter space thing. You guys will hear it. Uh, you'll hear about how it just doesn't work. It, it is really like perfect though for for me that the two people I despise most in the world currently, Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis, would team up for something so pathetic. If you get a chance, look at the uh, the campaign video the the uh, DeSantis War Room put out uh, immediately afterwards using a pitiful sound clip of Ron DeSantis with his whiny voice talking about why he should be president. And all the footage they use is like 70% Elon, like dancing in front of a Tesla. It's bad, folks. And as much fun as I'm having, reveling in DeSantis's massive failure, I mean, what a fall from grace. Things are bad in Florida. What he and his fellow Republican legislators have done in the past year, 
uh, and what's going to happen in the next handful of years is going to be very bad. Um, there are more bills than I can possibly bring up right now, and it's hard to say which one in particular is the worst, but I think the one that's been messing with me the most has been the anti-immigrant bill. Florida now has the strongest anti-immigration laws in the country. Um, we are having this mass exodus of undocumented workers, uh, fearful for what will become of them if they are caught in Florida. And I don't know, there's, there's something particularly particularly awful about this country's anti-immigrant sentiment. Um, none of it makes sense to me. Not just the hatred for them, but the economics behind it, too. Uh, you'll see it all over TikTok and Twitter and social media these days, but uh, the construction sites are empty. You know... The, these Latino workers are the, the workhorse for Florida's rapid development. And why they would get rid of cheap labor when Florida's entire economy depends on this real estate Ponzi scheme of just build, build, build um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't get it. There's got to be something else behind it. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know the math, but... I wonder if part of this desire to break the industries that rely upon migrant labor is to eventually buy them up. Um, you know, the land that's left to develop in Florida are is agricultural land. And if these small farms fail, uh, who will buy it up? Maybe BlackRock, maybe some other private equity company will get more land to speculate and develop upon but uh, yeah the the I saw an image of uh, a soldier and a migrant child at the border in Texas and in between them was razor wire and there were these children and they were wet from crossing the river making their way up an embankment to be confronted with several soldiers carrying rifles and it really fucked me up. Because I don't know what to do about that. I feel like I'm on a ride and I can't get off. Even if I need to get off to help someone or save, I can't get off this ride. And part of it is out of selfishness and part of it's out of laziness, but also a lot of it just is like, I don't know what to do. Do I give all my money away? Do I volunteer for some organization? Do I house undocumented workers like some 21st century Anne Frank? I don't know what to do. And I know that I personally can't change the world. I could help some individuals. I could certainly sacrifice. I have much to sacrifice. But in the end, it's just it, there's still just this misery in the world, and I'm helpless in the face of it. And so I, I, you end up just, what, ignoring it, I guess? 
I mean, that's what we do with the homeless in this country. We just ignore them. We flat out pretend like they don't exist. Uh, and I'm guilty of that too. Uh, the whole Jordan Neely thing in New York City, um, total despicable, murderous tragedy. But on the flip side, it's like when that dude was freaking out previously, what did everyone do? Just ignore him. You don't look at him. That's what you're taught to do in, in cities where there are homeless people is don't engage, don't make eye contact because then they might talk to you. <laughs> and if they talk to you, I don't know, maybe you have to do something for them, like give them money or treat them like a human being or maybe smell them because they, they don't smell great. Um, but fuck it. They're people. Look at them. Talk to them. Uh, I remember being in L.A., walking down Sunset Boulevard, and there was just this crazy guy screaming at the top of his lungs. And everybody just walked around him like he was invisible. And I thought, this guy's already crazy. Can you imagine what it must feel like to be crazy? To be screaming, help me? And people act like you don't exist? That's gotta make it worse, right? That makes him even crazier. This never-ending bad acid trip this guy's on. So what do you do? What are you, what are you supposed to do? You can't help every homeless person. You shouldn't give all your money away. Unless you're going to become a monk. Um, I think that in the face of the misery that envelops this world, the best thing you can do is just do the right thing in the moment it, that's presented to you. When the world gives you an opportunity to do something good, just do, do it. Don't question it. Don't think about it. Just do it. And when the world presents you with something that's wrong, don't do it. Don't say, oh, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Because that's, that's insanity. That logic is so bad. And yet it's the logic that so much, many of us use. Like, well, if I don't if I don't do this job, somebody else is going to do it. So I might as well take advantage of it. Fuck that. Say no. Don't do it. When you see a homeless person, you don't have to give them money. Just say hi, asking them what their name is, talk to them a little bit. Sure, maybe it'll like be inconvenient. You have to wait a couple minutes or, you know, give a few dollars up. But I don't know. Make them feel human. There's nothing more dehumanizing in this country than being homeless. What is it with this country and just vilifying and hating the most destitute, the, the, the people with the least amount of power, trans people, migrants, homeless? Why do we treat, we are vilifying the hell out of them. It's no coincidence. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just every day, you know, make a new homeless friend or something. I promise one of these podcasts soon is going to be lighthearted and fun. Um, and maybe it's super inappropriate to say this after uh, such heavy shit. But uh, like and subscribe. <laughs> Share my podcast with people. Um, it'll inspire me to do more. I know there's been a little bit of lapse here. I actually recorded this episode almost two weeks ago, I'm just haven't put it up, but on today's episode, which is a good one, we have 
investigative reporter uh, of The Intercept and uh, a friend, Daniel Boguslaw. And we talk a lot about journalism, the state of journalism. Um, most journalists, when you talk to them about their job, are just going to bitch and moan about it because there's a lot to complain about. Because, uh, you know, we, we, you got to have a little bit of ego to be a journalist, I guess. But Daniel and I have fun, and we're definitely going to have him back on again. And, uh, yeah, I guess in the face of all the bad things that you see, I still think you should take enjoyment in Ron DeSantis's suffering. How do you want to be introduced? How should I introduce you? Uh, I just, I don't know, Doug Saw, best day reporter, intercept, shit stir, shithead. Shithead. My mom has asked me to stop swearing so much. Okay. We can try to cut that down. Shut up, mom. (laughs) My mom follows my (laughs) tweets and it's like, it's a nightmare. She's like, because I just get texts from her being like, are you okay? I didn't understand this. Like, what is based? What is, is everything okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My mom asks me, um, what, what are you? What are you? This is, I, she doesn't know. She's like, are you conservative? Are you liberal? And I'm like, I don't... <laughs> do I have to choose between those two things? I mean, if anyone thinks I'm, I'm a conservative, I've, I'm doing something very yeah. wrong. Because I'm... I am feel like I I'm just, like... Yeah, I feel like I just get to post. My mom, like, it's just to the point where my mom is just like, I don't even know the words or the, the, the jokes that you're making. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Most people don't. Yeah, I mean, even people my age are, are uh, say that most of the stuff I'll put out there is just over yeah. their head. And I'm like, that's a yeah. good sign. Like, if you don't understand it's what I'm saying, you. you're yeah. living your life. You're, 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 I'm damaged, yeah. man. Like I am, <laughs> I am. And I meet people who are even more online oh, yeah. than me. And I'm like, no, Oh no, my God, dude. Like, up. I don't know how you do it. I don't yeah. know how you do it. The kids are unwell um, in New York who run Instagram accounts. Yeah. It's funny when you meet actual Instagram and Twitter accounts online and you see what they actually yeah. look like and you're like, dear God, like, no wonder you're, yeah, you, you're yeah, in a you non, just... you look like yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks for being on the show, Daniel. <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, yeah. On today's show, we have Daniel Boguslaw. He is an investigative reporter at The Intercept. Um, Daniel and I, did we ever meet in person at college? no. no. No, we didn't even over we we didn't nope. overlap. But you reached out to me very early in your career, I believe. Yeah. How how, how did you find out of who I am? What I, I was doing? Don't know. I think uh, I think maybe I'd read one of your pieces and was like looking yeah. you up and was like, oh shit, this guy went to the same school and yeah, I was just scrapping. I was like working at. I think at that time I was like. Working at the remnants of the Boston Phoenix, which had like just totally, you know, eaten shit post Craigslist and, you know, the horny classifieds they used to support their newspaper with, uh, you know, bring back the, the horny, horny classifieds supported all weeklies across the country. Uh, and so anyways, I, was, I was at the, the like kind of tiny 
thing that had emerged out of it and and uh was like looking for any you know foothold of people to talk to in media and like figure out what the hell was going on and I, yeah i think i read like one of your pieces and i was like oh this guy seems legit let's see if he has any advice <laughs> yeah yeah i, I... And now you've you've lapped me. Now I can ask. I need you. I need your help. I can ask <laughs> you for advice and whatever. Because you're people might not know who you are. Although you have a very um, memorable name, Bogus Law. Where's that law. from? What yeah, is that? it's uh, it's my it's not my legal last name. It's my legal middle name. It's my mother's last name. Uh, it is some kind of Slav name. Uh, which um, has been mistaken for Polish, but is, is not Polish. Uh, I think it's, you know, Russian, Ukrainian. Uh, but it rocks. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a hilarious name. And still, people all the time, like, think I'm, I'm trolling them when I request comment on something. Um, <laughs> well, it's a memorable name, but if you don't know the name, chances are people have either read your work or read someone else's work who stole your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you've done tons of reporting on, uh, you know, people like Joe Manchin. Um, what other stories do people have you written that you think people might know about? Joe Manchin, I've done a number of bangers on, on him and the family. Um, big story I did right at the start of my career was the, the Alex Morse, Richie Neal scandal. This is where... Uh, Oh, Richard yeah, Neal, powerful yeah, yeah. chairman of the, the Ways and Means Committee in the House of Representatives, um, longtime incumbent in Western Massachusetts. It's going up against a young working class gay mayor from Holyoke, Mass. And effectively, the entire Democratic Party apparatus colluded uh, with these college kids to try to cook up a fake sex scandal and destroy this young challenger's life and career. And we sort of right as it was happening, we were kind of on it and, and exposed <laughs> what was going on. And um, it was not enough to alter the course of the election, but it was one of the most obscene, classic DNC style scandals uh, in recent memory. So that was another banger. I remember that one. Yeah, it was outrageous. That was outrageous. And it was happening in real time, too. I mean, you guys were reporting on it as uh but even before the the, the election yeah, day, yeah, as it was unfolding, yeah. it was funny because these kids had these kids had tried to cook this up, uh, you know, for months, and they had reached out to this political reporter who I saw recently. And I was like, hey, uh, I said a lot of really nasty things about you online because you helped these kids launch a smear campaign that ended up being fake. And he was like, oh, so good to meet you, man. And I'm just two guys hanging out doing our jobs. And I was like, well, one of us did our job a lot better than the other one, but. Uh, <laughs> Funny finally meeting him after a little bit. Yeah, so you're based in DC. I'm in DC now. Yep. I've been, yeah. I've been doing some congressional reporting, some White House investigations, Susan Rice, Jeffrey Zients, former COVID czar, current chief of staff. But uh, you know, I, I look into everything. I like to inform policy. I I sort of break into national security a little bit now. Um, and we'll talk about that piece that just came out. Um, uh, about uh, the CIA sex scandal stuff going on, but um, speaking speaking of speaking of the White House, this, like it, just incessant choppers flying over in DC all the time, just this huge 
choppers bring people in and out of the White House. Very frustrating. Chem, chemtrails, yeah. man. <laughs> Helicopter chemtrails. Are you a are you are you a DC eight nine? Oh, I'm a DC ten baby. Are you kidding me? You ever, You're a DC ten. Put in this down. Oh, okay. <laughs> they yeah, call it a pretty swamp ugly. for a reason. I never have I felt more beautiful in my life than when I was walking around the streets of oh, DC. Yeah. Just it's absolute. It's, it's, there's something in the water here. I don't know. I mean. It, I, oh, I'm probably going to become much less attractive, you know, after my one-year mark here. But uh, as things stand, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, dude, you're a DC ten. Thank you for sure. You. Uh, when I, I I was in DC for a summer once, volunteering for some um, green energy. I wouldn't even call it company. It was just a guy, <laughs> and and I all that we would do is we would go to into. Um, government buildings and have these posters and like remind people to turn the light off or change the light bulbs or something like that. And one time I, for whatever reason, I had to go in the mail room of a, like it was the basement mail room of some federal building. And it was like a freak show. <laughs> down there. I mean, I, I was like, this is where they put the, those people. And there was something seriously wrong with everyone. In I mean, there. there's got to be something wrong with you if you are a lifer bureaucrat. I mean, it just, I don't know. I think about this all the time. I mean, how can you avoid it being in Washington? But just the idea of going in and just, work, I mean, look, even in, in, in Congress, you know, so much of what staffers do is write legislation that they know is going to fail. I mean, the, the prospect of just doing this day in and day out i mean it's uh it's i don't know it's pretty unfathomable to me which is why living in dc is kind of like this constant ongoing psychological crisis where you're like i cannot believe that this is happening day in and day out it's, <laughs> it's insane it's crazy um so yeah I, I i definitely feel that and i feel that going to the hill too i mean there's, there's a rush going to the hill you know and and bird dogging senators and realizing you can ask them <laughs> anything you want. But at the same time, there is like this dark vortex over that place where it's just like, you know, like these depressing cafeterias and like there's, you know, shitty fonts on everything. You know, my colleague of mine pointed that out in a great piece she wrote. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a deranged place. And it's unfortunate that I think a lot of um, the reporting that once described it that way, whether it was, you know, Hunter, or whether it was, you know, Matt Taibbi, or whether it was uh, Ken Silverstein, you know, really trying to just talk about the, the, the sheer day-to-day -day madness of this place in a kind of colorful, impressionistic way has, has really been lost. Um, and I think that's it's unfortunate. Now, this is a Florida podcast. Have you spent much time in Florida? My dad is from Hollywood, Florida. Um, and he, yeah. boy, does he hate Hollywood, Florida. So my experience of Florida is like going to Hollywood, Florida, and my dad being like, I cannot wait to get out of here. But for me, it was like this totally bizarro other world. You know, I'm from outside Boston, so um, it was like this totally other world, other planet. I've never been to Hollywood. I've, I literally have no idea what it's like there. I mean, I haven't been to most parts of the state. It's a big, big old state. Big old state. Weird state. Um, yeah, but Hollywood's, <laughs> Hollywood's really my only, my only reference point. Although I, I have spent some time talking to 
Representative Matt Gates. That's my other uh, Florida connection, I would say. And I, let's get in, let's get into Matt Gates in just a second. But I kind of want an outsider. I, I do want an outsider's perspective of Florida. I think I get kind of caught up in my view of things and the people who I'm I'm associating with and talking to these days. But what's like the DC perspective of Florida? Like how does what's like the general DC consensus of what the fuck well, Florida is, is and what's going on? I don't on? know. I mean, I think I know I the story never came out, but you know, I was working on a story about just the total failure of the state democratic party. Um and so I I think there's sort of this perspective of of it, uh what do they call it? Like Florida being like a sacrifice zone, right? It's like the Democrats just completely failed to mobilize in a basic way in that state. You see what's now happening in the state legislature. You've covered that extensively. You know, you see what's happening in the governor's office. And I think there's a sense that <laughs> it's kind of like a lost cause. And, you know, I, I, don't, I, I think that was different a couple of years ago, but now I think the perspective is sort of like, it's a total freak show. Um, there's no ground game. There's no dem infrastructure. Um, and there's no, no one's offering any solutions for that. Any ideas at all aside, aside from, you know, running, uh, you know, Senate candidates there who don't have a, a shot in hell of winning and, and juicing out millions, like, you know, which is a similar tale, right? Across other Southern states where you're running these, long shot, no chance Senate candidates were sucking up all this money that could have gone to really close Senate races in other states, but instead it's this liberal uh, delusion that, uh, oh, that we're, you know, we're going to win in, in, in Florida. We're going to win in uh, uh, Kentucky without any, without any logic to it, right? Just this sort of pure hope ideology so i mean i think the perspective at least on the left is sort of like well yeah the party has effectively abandoned the state um and on the right i think it's it's being seized on as a petri dish for experimentation i mean you see the the concoctions of representatives coming out of there um and it's getting so yeah. great i mean the, did you see the, the the demon guy the guy who was saying that like you're a, like if you're not Christian, you're an actual no. demon, or you're possessed no. by demons. It's getting. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, yeah. I'll put a little clip in there for everybody if they haven't heard it yet. But it's just like, <laughs> goddamn, this is getting so fucking weird. Um, and all they're not the thing that drives me craziest about these the, these people, this petri dish is they're all foreign. Like it's not homegrown craziness. This is all the the most uh, insane people from other pockets of the country, the Midwest in particular right now, that's where, I mean, you definitely got your like Jersey folk, like your, your serious, like, like, uh, uh, mob fantasy, like they're not mobbed up at all, but they like still like, they're the kind of people who would like put up a poster of Tony Soprano unironically <laughs> yeah. being like, this is the guy, <laughs> this is our guy right here. But the Midwest is really what's filling our our petri dish with just the most heinous kinds of bacteria. How does that work? You uh, mean like ideologically transferring, or 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 um, you just mean like people straight up moving in? People straight up moving in. I mean, I think ideologically too. I mean, the the whole Hillsdale New College thing. That's that's a Michigan place. That's that's whose educational ideology is being exported down here. Uh, 
but you have just people coming down here. I mean, like, uh, Vern Buchanan, our congressman in Sarasota, longtime congressman now, God, he's been since 2004, I think. Uh, he's from the Midwest and he's, <laughs> my mom actually wrote a story about him and how he came down here. And what he did was he had, he owned some paper printing company. She's going to correct me on this, I'm sure, after she listens to it. But basically, he screwed over all his business partners and, like, bought property down in Florida and basically fled here, <laughs> owing people all kinds of money up north. And that's, I think, like, the general, like, move here is I I, I think that a lot of the, the economy of the suburban Midwest is multi-level marketing. And you run out of, you run out of rubes. And you got to take your, you got to find rubes elsewhere. And Florida itself is the Ponzi state. You know, it's, it's built on a, in like a real estate Ponzi yeah. scheme. And so it's perfect for them. This is like lines up perfectly with like their economic and social beliefs. And so they're all coming here. This is the, the good news is that this will make the Rust Belt like more democratic <laughs> because all the Republicans <laughs> are coming here. Uh, so, you know, it's, we are we are the sacrifice. We are the martyr for these people yeah, right now. But it's, for sure. it's, uh, it's funny. You know, I've spent a lot of time reporting West Virginia on Joe Manchin. And, and I mean, talk about talk about a, a, just a unfathomable sacrifice zone. I mean, you go there, the mansions and the capitals control everything in the state from the, you know, still from from. You know, the Secretary of State's office to the state police. I mean, it's total control. It's it's completely decimated. It's completely burned out. And it's, you know, it's different, obviously, because there's not some crazy hot, you know, Ponzi scheme real estate market going in West Virginia. But you get the sense of, like, it's similar where there's just total democratic abandon. And it's just sort of like these barons are kind of just running roughshod over everything. And, you know, these families kind of amass this wealth and then... You know, I mean, and what's happening in Florida is just like the, the speed with which there's just total deregulation and total opening up to that kind of, you know, new feudalism uh, is is crazy where people just carve up kind of fiefdoms um, and then they control the state legislature and they control uh, the governor's office. And then that's and then that's the future of the state. I, I do think that that's what the future of a, a lot of states are going to look like. I think you're totally right. These fiefdoms, these barons. I mean, Florida is becoming so unaffordable that I, I think in, in West Virginia, you do have these like these in, in these coal towns. You have these like company towns where your house is owned by your 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 boss, basically. And they, they pay you in Disney right. bucks, basically <laughs> their version of Disney bucks. And uh, I mean, that's what it's going to take. I, th I think. Because rich people are never going to want to take out their garbage. They're never going to fix their own shit. Uh, and so they're going to need, you know, blue collar people in some form or another. And what they'll just do is they'll just like permanently employ them. Be like, yeah, you can live on my property because that's like that'll be the only economically feasible way to live in places yep. like this in the near future. So it's going to be interesting, especially I think because I don't, I don't think that I mean, West Virginia has to deal with a lot of like poison wells and shit like that we do too here but the economic climate economic cat catastrophe i think will change the political fortunes of the state right. of florida and that's going to be what's the most interesting right, part of it crashing down 
Yeah, and then like who's left behind? Who can survive? And all the 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 you know Midwestern folk with their tails right. tucked between their legs trying to go back home. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, but let's talk about um, one of the few native sons of Florida, Mr. Matt Gates. Uh, he's a congressman up in the the Panhandle of Walton County. I, I can't even. I'm not even sure which what district he's in, but. Uh, Everyone knows Matt Gates for the most part. Just, uh, he looks like something out of, uh, <laughs> like a, uh, like a 1950s, you know, uh... Horror movie. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a weird guy. I mean, his dad was a pretty powerful politician. He has lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's looking even more like an evangelical, like Joel right, Austin right. type of guy. I love one of my favorite facts about Matt Gates is that he's uh he grew up in the Truman House. Right, so like the, weird. The, the, the yeah, you know, and actually, when weird. I first saw him, the first time I saw him on the Hill, what was it? It was during the um the Speaker fight. You know, when when it, the Freedom Caucus was withholding their votes for the with the Kevin yeah, McCarthy thing. And, um, yeah. Gates is just, he's walking, and there's a great picture of me, me and him actually in the New York Times, with, with and it's, it's black lit, and he looks like really ghoulish, it's crazy, I'll send it to you, but, uh, so he's walking, and, and, you know, they've been going and going and going, it's like the, I don't remember how many, it was like, a, you know, a million ballots, and this one reporter just yells, um, how does this end, and he just turns with his grin, and he goes, that's the Truman Show, isn't it? And it was like, oh my God, it's the levels of just like biz insanity. And right, like his whole thing is Truman Show. So it's just a real mindfuck. It's because it, that is his brand, right? It's just like la layers and layers and layers of, of uh, ever accelerating um, media attention and, and self-reference and parody and... Uh, just yeah sheer madness um but yeah he's a really he's a really interesting guy he's he's very smart i think people really underestimate his <laughs> his intelligence and the the uh way that he is very cognizant of of what he's doing um in terms of kind of the media frenzy and circus that he has around him no, he's he's smart. I mean, uh, or he's shrewd. I don't want to say he's smart. I, and and that became very clear to me uh, when he was on that Sasha Baron Cohen show, uh, "This Is America," where uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, pretending to be some Israeli military guy, tries to trick him into adopting some like guns for kindergartners Israeli program, and he's like, "I'm not gonna like no congressman yeah. would do that." And of course, you know, the next scene, Trent Lott. Like is is saying precisely that, and and so you can tell he's he's savvy. Like he's got media savvy. He's a yep. young guy. I mean, he's he's not that much older than I am. I don't think, um, and he's managed to survive some pretty intense media storms. I mean, the whole uh, sex trafficking scandal that. I mean, I don't know where that went exactly, but he's he's in the yep. clear. Like he he's he's not in any trouble yep. anymore. And that that whole thing got weird, especially with like the 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 hostages in Iran that they they were trying to blackmail his father. I mean, it's a complicated, weird story. It's a story. Real weird story, and like, there's always so many like 
other levels where you kind of have to go through each player in that story and kind of like map out what their power <laughs> power network is right and like who's connected to who and state politics and who's connected to who with with <laughs> u.s attorneys and shit but um uh yeah he he's he's survived that and i think it's only kind of emboldened him i mean the stories i hear you know the the cutting room floor stories i hear about him around washington is that he's still partying pretty hard um he's still still a wild man so you know i i don't doubt that um you know i i don't doubt that there were some elements of that that story that were true um but uh i i also just think he's developed a you know a new lane that's really hard to boost him out of and i mean one thing i've, I've thought a lot about is like you know in the, in the midterm elections there was this notion that the extremist freedom caucus candidates aren't going to win anymore kind of in the same way that the squad and progressives you know realized that they couldn't really operate outside of certain super deep blue uh districts the idea was that you know, there's a similar effect with the sort of extremist freedom caucus wing but i wonder if you know if they had run kind of closer to gates on on and and hedged on certain issues and gone full bore crazy on other issues and just leaned into to being that that media personality if they would have had more success because i think in the end the thing that buoys him is not is not his extremist positions it's his ability to get on bannon's show to get on fox news and then to just charge ahead on twitter and social media without um you know without batting an eye and and i think there's something to that i think there's something to the pure media addiction of americans that those other candidates didn't fully tap into and and if they had i think we would have had a lot more gate style characters um in the current congress i think that there's a limitation to matt gates's style politically because i do think that most people are, are normies. Most people uh, are, are pretty sensitive to things. And, you know, while he might garner the attention of a, a particular portion of, uh, you know, the conservatives of this country, he does go way too far. And I think you can see how online and how much of a if you gave him the opportunity just to be a movie star, he would take it in a heartbeat, you know, or a, or a stand-up comic. Do you remember when he did that whole uh, what's the deal with women who get abortions and why, like, or, or, like they're all too fat to get pregnant yeah. anyway? But yeah, he did some, like, stand-up bit, basically, making some joke about how people who are pro-abortion are all people who wouldn't have sex in the first place because they're too fat and ugly. And that was just, like, on a and show? That was, was He just, like, recorded his own video? I, I it was on the internet. I think it was at some CPAC speed, yeah, yeah, like yeah, some yeah. rally or something like that. But you know, he's workshopping something, and you could tell like it was not off the cuff. Like it was it was written, uh, and you know, I'm of the opinion that we need to ban stand up <laughs> comedy in this country. I, I yeah, I, I'll, like. I'll... We can we're, we're going to talk about the state of journalism and how much how much hate we actually I believe we deserve sure. as an as sure. an industry. But stand up comics have leapfrogged us in terms of just like who is the most yeah. annoying. Like I cannot deal with I mean, I don't comics even, anymore. I'm yeah, I don't co- even know who's like I feel like when I was I don't know, in high school or college, 
So he was like before like Louis got <laughs> Louis, you know, fucking went he got, got Louis. Louis, he went down hard for being a <laughs> creepy Louis. pervert. Uh, but like, I don't even know like who's I don't even know. I feel like it's it's degraded so much. I don't even know who's like a famous stand up person, you know. There are there are some what I you know, John Mulaney's new oh, stand up right, was yeah, really good. Okay. That's that's I guess um, that's kind of it. I, I even if his politics are total shit, I like Shane Gillis. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. good. It's like most stand-up comic, even Shane Gillis is falling uh, prey to the whole like, oh, we can't say what right. we want. They're trying to cancel right. us. Like, you know, making fun of trans people, you know, you have to be really, really, really good to make a good trans joke. Yeah, I, I think, think, I think. I think so too. I mean, I remember watching like the Chappelle thing and just being like, you know, his 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 uh, special sauce was literally yeah, it was just being able to do make a joke about anything and and round it out at the end. And you could just feel the spite in him on one of those last specials where it was like he something had gotten tweaked a little bit and like the the perfect you know craftsmanship of of his other. You know, specials where it just he always brought everyone back on board. It felt like at the end of every punchline or every set, something got tweaked. And, and I see this. I see this with everyone. I see this in stand-up people. I see this in in journalists. I see this all kinds of people. Like something just gets tweaked out in them. I, they get old and bitter. Even like I I love Norm Finkelstein, but in his recent book, he's he complains about not being able to make like weird like untoward sexual <laughs> jokes about women and it's just like right. dude you like you just can't right. do that anymore right. and, but he's even i mean he's you know, he's old i mean he's really old yes yeah, the thing it's it's an it, I, I it's an it's an old thing it's an old i mean this guy i mean norm is, the, is like i mean i don't know he he there's many basic social conventions that he has not been updated on uh that that far far uh surpass you know People even I, I for, I'll forgive him. I'll <laughs> forgive him for it. But you know, it is tough. So back to Matt Gates, who is unforgivable. Sure. I mean, you know, fuck sure. that guy. Uh, what? What else? What else can you tell us about your experience with Matt Gates? Well, I recently did a piece on um, the DC Young Republicans, uh, and they are kind of comprised of this new kind of rabid frothing they're almost like a next-gen evolution of of sort of trump i think in a certain sense um and there's there's some gates staffers involved with the dc young republicans there's some uh who else oh jd vance um you know they're they're hyper online kids like they're the staffers are like zoomers um and they had gates the week before I went and then they had George Santos and you know it's like they were mocking George Santos at the event that they hosted for him and so it really is you know on the one hand I think there's been a lot of people who have staked their career in recent years on exploring the way that the internet descends into reality and kind of going into these spaces where you know you have people who, who primarily exist online and you kind of go to these events and see them and um you know, I kind of went and and sort of saw the the, the full bore freak show, not only of these far right staffers, but also just the bizarre freaks from the from the greater DMV who, who came in. You know, you've got a 
a national Bolshevik who used to work for Dominion Energy and now does like historic preservation and is wearing like, you know, a tweed suit and a fucking fedora and a bow tie. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then you have like guys who look like they're going to cut your cut your neck with like, you know, neck tattoos and are just like look so mad and juiced out. And then you have like, you know, shitty real estate agents who just don't have any friends and are kind of like at this weird thing. One of the guys is, is an EMT who keeps running for uh, city council and trying to pretend like he's a normal progressive guy to do some kind of, you know, backdoor takeover of the DC city council. I mean, you're talking about like total freak show and kind of think that it's going to be enlightening when you go and you, and you see these people and you talk to them. But I guess my takeaway from the event was sort of what you see online is kind of what you get in many ways. And that, you know, when you try to report on this stuff, when you try to offer some kind of context for readers or, or try to show one level down by putting, you know, boots on the ground and going and talking to these people, there's like nothing there. And you're just kind of contributing to their ability to kind of go, uh, you know, video drone mode and climb out of the screen into reality. You know, you're giving them <laughs> sustenance. And I just, I remember walking, you know, Santos gave this speech. Uh, he makes this hilarious, you know, opening. He's like, Matt Gates said he brought the Florida weather. Uh, well, I brought the New York weather. Uh, no humidity. Like, we like that, ladies, right? Good for your hair, good for your skin. You know, it's like he's like doing Borspell stand-up, you know? And it's, it's crazy. Take my yeah. life, please. Yeah. And then I kind of walked, and at one point he said, the truth will set you free. And I kind of walked out of there, and that's how the piece ends. And I was just like, oh, man, like, shit, I'm, I'm kind of part of the problem. Like, you cover this freak show, and that's what you want, you know? And then these staffers are messaging me. You know, it's supposed to be a hit piece, and these staffers are messaging me, and they're like, oh, great piece. Like, thanks so much. You know, it's like you're calling them loser mm -hmm. freaks, and they can't get enough of it. You know, there's no, there's no way to... There's no way to attack them in the media. I think the only way to defeat, you know, resurgent far-right conservatism in america is is like through positive on the ground organizing and showing people that there's something else that the left has to offer but you know attacking this freak show you can feel the energy i mean you can feel that there's a populist energy and you can feel a piece no people will be upset about me saying this but you can feel a piece of that like 2016 bernie energy of like burn it all to the ground and these people are are degenerate freaks who who are really pretty much nihilists and don't have you know basic functions like compassion or you know the ability to empathize with people who are slightly different than them but in terms of that feeling of being in the room with them it is similar to to bernie where you can just see that pure populist fire in their eyes of you know another world um which is t totally remade and and totally different um, and for them, that, that world is, is, a, is a waking nightmare, is like pure hell, Euronymous um, Bosch painting. But uh, it gives you pause. It makes you think like, well, shit, like, why can't the left get people this hyped up and deranged? That's a good question. And like where the left went post Bernie uh, is still kind of mysterious to me. Um yeah, I, I completely agree with you on this idea that we're, we contribute to the circus. Yeah. We're vital to it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm 
sometimes like reluctant to report on this stuff. I, I did a profile last year on this guy, Martin Hyde, who is running for Congress here as like the Trump candidate. And he looked like a potential threat until he had a video that went viral for uh, berating a police officer who pulled him over. And that was it. That killed him. That killed yeah. his career. Millions upon millions of views. He got a Tucker appearance out of it. And he was addicted to the attention, clearly. Um, and I tried to make a thoughtful piece being like, what's motivating this guy? Like, what I actually kind of like about him? What is unforgivable about him? Um, but yeah, he was just a, a addicted to the attention of yeah. the whole thing. Like, uh and yeah, that's not that's not how politics really works, especially when you're paying attention to shit that just like really doesn't move the ball in any direction or another. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I think it's much, I don't know, after it, it, it's easy and fun to cover the freak show, but I think it's more important and similarly fun to cover the center in Washington and to cover the centrist lot. You know, I did a similar piece on like a, a, a set, a sort of center centrist lobby shop that takes money from both sides and in a sense because everyone in washington can kind of get behind attacking the freak show you know if you if you work a little harder and make uh, you know more enemies going and 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 investigating and talking to and blowing up the scene of the people who are actually wielding the most power you know in washington um you know it, it feels like you're actually <laughs> saying something that everyone else in CNN isn't, you know, screaming. And like, you know, that piece was wild. That piece ended with, um, you know, MLK's son showing up at this lobbying event and me being like, why, why are you here? Why are you at this lobbying shop? And then going and looking it up and seeing that, you know, he was, you know, he was paying them to do image management for him and his family. And... You know, to me, that that type of revelation is much more interesting. is is much more. Damn, uh, I, that's yeah, that's it's, crazy. It's much yeah. more shocking and weird, and and gets at something new about the way power moves than. Yeah, and covering the freak show, which which, which everyone wants a piece of because it's easy and safe because the people are so deranged. And that's what's so fascinating about someone like George Santos, who I think is like spiritually Floridian. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is, it is, it is Florida reflecting itself back onto the rest of the country. But this is a guy who is powering through one of the most insane backstories in recent memory. And I kind of like him. Like, he will say interesting things. Like, he will sometimes say good politics. Because he has the freedom right. to now, I right. guess, yeah, in some of his, 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 But of course, it's his, his, meaningless. His dovishness on China, for example. And you're like, what? <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's something, there's something, um, you know, someone messes. Liberating. Yeah. It's liberating, I think, to a certain extent. Once you, once you completely sacrifice yourself for the freak show, then you can like, and I think that was the power of Trump, yeah. too. That was the appeal of Trump was like. He could actually say true things to a certain extent. And, and there's a now yeah, there's a piece of it with Bernie too, right? It's like he just he's like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, you know, piss off. You know. He's he's blunt and there's just a consistency that is not inflected by political maneuvering. It's just who he is. And 
Pokemon go to the polls, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that shit People doesn't work. Nobody like, see yeah, through that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess when you're just like, well, you already come in covered yeah. in shit, like, like right. Santos, then like. Well, yeah, no. And someone, someone messaged me. They were like, it? oh, it must have been know. so creepy seeing Santos. And I was like, no, I was like, he was, he, he, he was an entertainer and everyone went wild for him. You know, like he, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, someone like, um, uh, who's that, who's that racist white supremacist, uh, King representative King from I don't know where he was from, Is he from, uh, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in the Midwest, I think, but like that, like those guys are, are, are scary because like they, they believe in this like old school, like clan fucking you know, white supremacy. And I, I, I'm not, I don't think that the new Freedom Caucus, that their ideology really differs. It's just that like, in a sense, they're, they're, they don't care. They're, they're, they're entertainers too. And they get high off being yeah. on stage. And so like, yeah, no, you're, you know, you're totally in, right. In many ways it's, it, it, even for them, it's, it's, it's not about political power. It's about partaking in the spectacle. It's like what you said, he, you know, Gates would probably rather be an actor or stand up comedian I, I think that's true, and I think that's really hard for it's a really hard pill for people to swallow to understand how captured everyone has become by the by the, by the need for media and fame and, and and constant visibility on social media. But I think that's true. I really think it's true. And you're they they don't you're right. Is it Angus King? Was that the guy's yeah, name? Yeah, the, the center for Maine. I, I know you're talking. Oh no 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 he's, um, he's, he's no no he's, no. He's, no, he's a different guy. Not Angus King. I know. I I, I can see his yeah. face. The 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 congressman you're talking about in Iowa, who's like an out King. and out Steve like King. Yeah, white yeah, supremacist. Yeah. Steve Steve King. Um. They he does believe in something, whereas Santos, Gates, <laughs> Trump, yeah. they don't believe no. in anything. No. And I've always fantasized, if you know, liberals were smart enough, or the left was smart enough. They could be like, if you give Trump the right kind of attention, he'll do it. <laughs> you could trick Trump into actually doing leftist shit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that would take too much yeah. out of people because they're so. I mean, I, I hate it when, it when conservatives are right about things. Uh, the whole Trump derangement syndrome is fucking yeah, real. Totally. Like the people it that made people go insane and they, they can't see it any any other way um but let's talk about uh actual journalism here uh another piece that you just had come out which was it was about uh the cia covering up uh sexual harassment for like almost two decades is that right now tell us about that yeah so this was um this was a piece where you know i saw i was kind of doing a follow-up to a piece that came out um in politico which had had um, you know, kind of gotten the jump on this story that uh, HIPSI, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the, the House Intelligence Oversight Committee, had been approached by effectively a whistleblower, a female whistleblower from inside the CIA saying that, um, you know, she had had her uh, complaints of sexual harassment and assault basically ignored by the internal office that's supposed to deal with this, um, and that there were, you know, almost... I think it was 54 other women over the past decade who have, who had similarly had their um, complaints uh, uh, quashed 
Um, and this launched, you know, now there's also an investigation in the Senate Intelligence Committee looking into this. Um, but it, to me, what, what was so interesting about it was that there was this one kind of hit that clearly came, you know, to me, it seemed like this got placed because one of the lawyers for, the, for these women reached out and said, all right, we need visibility on this. Reached out to the Politico reporter, wrote it up, but then there was no follow-up of any kind. Um, and to me, this, this investigation is part of, of a new, you know, I've been talking to some colleagues in the national security world, a sort of new 1970s era, right? Like, you know, church committee era where there was just this total opening up. And, um, you know, you have the GOP in the House, they have a committee to investigate the weaponization of the federal government, which is kind of this circus run by Jim Jordan and Gates, which is really just probing, largely probing surface level stuff, but they have also subpoenaed and uncovered some really interesting things in that committee. Now you have bipartisan uh, interest in both the House and the Senate um, looking into to these allegations in the CIA. And so I kind of did a follow-up piece um, trying to dig one, one level deeper using public documents, appeals to the kind of regulatory board that, that, that mediates uh, workplace harassment disputes. And through that, you could see in at least one instance allegations of the way that the CIA systematically shut down these women. You know, they... In this, in this case, she had been horribly harassed for a year, basically. Her supervisor had made sexual advances, had sent her pornography, had uh, used his brother, who also worked in Langley, to harass her. Um, she, she tried to file a complaint with the office. The office said, oh, sorry, we forgot about the complaint. Then um, an EEO officer said, let's meet at a Starbucks. And then they, they go to a Starbucks and he like pushes her a piece of paper and he's like, sign this. And it says, I do not want to file a complaint against the CIA. And, you know, this is this is a this is a CIA officer. So, you know, she's an extremely intelligent person. She's been documenting all of this. And basically, she's one of the rare cases that went through the formal uh, adjudication process and basically, you know, won. And basically the, the independent board basically told the CIA, like, look, you clearly coerced this woman <laughs> and you're going to have to fucking deal with it. Um, but it's, it's interesting how much of a black box is around this stuff. And, and, you know, this ties into maybe a, a broader conversation about journalism, but um, how, you know, I work for the intercept and it's one of the few outlets that lawyers, attorneys and whistleblowers trust because pretty much every other major uh, newspaper or, or outlet has people who are constantly on the phone with intelligence agencies and the White House being told what they can and can't do. And that might sound conspiratorial, but it's true. I mean, that's been going on for decades. It's been reported on for decades. And so it's exciting um, to sort of start on this new uh, sort of beat because it's incredible talking to people the way that they open up to you about all kinds of wild things that they really no other reporter can, can print and get access to or no other outlet. Do you worry, as uh, someone reporting on something as intimidating as the CIA, uh, that they're going like, to look at you in a particular way? I mean, look, I've reported on Israel. I've, I've reported uh, on you know, Saudi. I, I've reported on... Um, you know, all kinds of things. At some point, it's just like, sure, I'm sure they're, you know, it, they can do whatever they want. Israel can do whatever they want. Anyone can do whatever they want. And so I think, 
you know, I think they could they could Eichmann you if I can put a drag your ass yeah. to Israel. Well, they could do whatever they yeah. want. Or they could uh, they could um, uh, 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 Ellsberg me too, and and you know, uh, ask my shrink about all my deranged perversions. But in the end of the day, you make a a deal. They can just look at your Instagram <laughs> DMs at that point. They don't have to talk to your shrink, look, man. Like. They, we we've put our deranged perversions uh, look, out there for I'm everybody saying, to see. Maybe their job's a lot easier. And and I think there's something to be said too for the idea of like, you know, paranoia is also deeply tied to narcissism. And I think it's really easy to be like, oh, they're surveilling me. I'm so important. Blah blah blah. And it's like, look, they any right. government can do whatever the fuck they want at any minute. And so if you spend all your time worrying about that, um, as long as you're, you know, as long as you you don't have. <laughs> Anything criminal to hide, I think. It's like, you know, who, who, who... But then you have to live, like, such, like, a... Like, I don't know. Just test your test your party drugs for fentanyl, dude. <laughs> they're, they're gonna, that's how they'll get you. That's how they'll get yeah, you. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I think... Um, I think... I don't know. I feel like I've, I've watched, like, a, a Hirsch interview where he's like, yeah, like, no shit. They're, like, probably bugging the shit out of all my stuff. But, like, you know, what what, what are you going to do about that? You're going to... You're gonna, I guess you live like a saint. You know, you just have to be a good person. I mean, they can still make shit right, up. They can exactly. plant fucking child exactly. pornography they, on your computer if they, they can, really they wanted to. They can do anything to. they want. So it's kind of just like, yeah. I don't know. I think, um, and and yeah, I don't know. The, 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 the great reporters I've spoken with and, and who I look up to and who've mentored me, you know, they, they all kind of have to operate on on that level. Um, and, and I just think things have changed. I mean, I think the past decade too with, with the advances in digital surveillance and spyware. I mean, it's like, you know, you read about the Pegasus stuff, you know, you read about these exploit teams, you know, just just ramming stuff through. It, it's like, I think we're, and, and, and this goes into the intelligence community too, where it's like, they're also pretty screwed. Like as technology advances in this way, like it becomes increasingly difficult to, to you know, run agents in other countries. It becomes increasingly difficult to, you know, to, to function in the way that, that we used to function with, privacy um well I'm, I'm glad that uh you know the sexual harassment of the 1950s and 60s is still strong <laughs> running strong the, the tradition well, yeah. of oh, yeah. uh harassing your oh, secretary and, and in fact i mean it's, <laughs> it's obviously not just the cia i mean you know you look at uh senator grassley's you know uh investigative uh committee uh the judiciary and and i think it was like there's something like it was like 660 fbi um, personnel, including like top tier leadership, have were like faced allegations of sexual assault and, and misconduct, and then just retired without any, you know, any disciplinary process. And then those people can come back and contract, you know, for the FBI. So, yeah, it's system wide. Um, it's particularly horrifying in the CIA uh, because, you know, you imagine case officers, you imagine people overseas, right, and they're undercover, and like they've got one supervisor who's just like mercilessly assaulting them or harassing them and there's there's they try to go back you know for some kind of support and you know it it's blocked and i will say this too little little nugget i mean it's also fascinating hearing uh anecdotes about the ways that different cia directors have approached this from pompeo to haspel to burns um Seems like they they have each taken very different approaches to dealing with this problem. I I, I was told Haspel is pretty smart about it and would be like, 
if if something made it to her desk, she would basically just like go and fucking fix the problem. Pompeo obviously did not give a, a shit. And, you know, Burns is angling for state. That's the position he really wanted in the upcoming, uh, if Biden Biden wins again. And I, I, I've been told that he's, uh, just, he just doesn't want to deal with it. He just wants it shut down. He wants it quieted down. Well, considering the, uh, the Epstein info that came out about yeah, Burns hanging out with it, it's, uh, it's not looking good for him. If people even still give a shit about that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, I don't know. It, the CIA sometimes seems like, I, I obviously talk about it a lot with my friends too, always bringing up the, the, the specter of the CIA and all things. Sometimes it feels so big. It's just like, it, it's just mythology. It's entertainment. Um, the real stuff I feel like is the stuff that happens here that I can touch. Um, cause yeah, like that's a, that's a big thing to chew on. That's a lot of gristle right there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking though, that there's just not more, I don't know. It's just that there's not even more like beat coverage of it. You know, like I just think that as, as even as like the big newsrooms transition away from news and like transition into like bullshit listicles, like you go in the Washington post, you go in the times, right. And it's like, like half the front half the front page scroll is just like total garbage, right? It's like it's like not you can't even read it. It's it's not bad news reporting. It's just not news. It's just like product reviews and and, and like fucking TV reviews and shit. Um, and it's incredible how there's so much stuff that comes out about the IC. Like I talk to this about my colleagues all the time. Like there's so much public information about the intelligence community. Um, that just doesn't get reported on because there's just like, there's no one left to like write up the OIG reports to like look at, uh, you know, my, my colleague Ken just had a piece um, about, you know, how the um, ODNI is, is, is basically, you know, concentrating uh, control over disinformation uh, initiatives ac across all the intelligence um, agencies. And there was a public you know, it, there wasn't a lot of information in it, but there was a public uh, release about this, you know, on the ODNI website. And, and somehow no fucking national security reporter in the country wrote a story about it, which is shocking. I mean, it's, it, that is insane. So I think part of the problem is like, shit, yeah, we don't know what, what type of ops or whatever the CIA is running, but people aren't even writing up their fucking press releases. <laughs> so like, without that, it's like, you know, and, and and that's what, what the last thing I wanted to talk about with you was the state of journalism because you and I are very lucky in a way uh, that we both get to. I mean, I don't get paid a lot, but uh, a livable enough wage to work for a fucking magazine. I mean, magazines don't print magazines. That shit doesn't exist. Like it's yeah, dying. <laughs> I, yeah. I that I get to do that. You know, as, as, for as much as I like to complain about it, um, it's pretty incredible that this job exists and I get to have it. And, you know, even though you might have to punch out some shit you don't think is important, or you don't really care about just for the sake of clicks alone, uh, you still get to, like, focus your effort on, like, big pieces, big important stuff. They, they probably wouldn't ask you to do if you didn't insist on doing it. 
Yeah. I mean, um, and that's always been, I mean, yeah, that's always been my drive. You know, the, the mansion story, that was kind of my first really, really big investigation. It was incredible. You know, his companies had been lying out in the open for, for decades. And nobody, and I was just some kid freelancing, and nobody had, had looked into it. So, yeah, and I, I mean, I see the same thing in your work. It's like, you're just like, I want to see, I want to go look at this weird thing. I want to go chase this thing. And um, I think, yeah, people are so confused by what sells that sometimes they blot out that base impulse to chase <laughs> to chase something from their gut. And I think um, that's a real travesty in our, in our field. Yeah, I think that's what frustrates me. And this comes from both sides. I mean, any number of things I, I think are a waste of paper or a waste of your eyes, just your time. You know, I, I, I've stopped paying attention by and large to whatever's happening in Ukraine. Because I'm just like, fuck. Like, first of all, I don't think I could possibly ever know the truth. Like, both sides are yep. just punching, like, so much disinfo. There's... there's it's just like gavage of disinfo. Yeah. And so it's just like, what do you, how I, I can't even possibly know. And then of course you have the culture wars, you know, the, the fact that trans people take up so much space in our cultural imagination and yet they make up, you know, less than a percentage point of the population is just like, well, like it's yeah. Like leave fucking trans people alone. Number one, but also, like, why do you fucking care? Well, again, I just, I mean, yeah, I think there'll be many books written about this, about how, the, you know, I mean, I think there was a good article I've been meaning to read about, who's that, who's that, like, he's like Ben Shapiro, kind of, but he, like, launched a lot of these cultural war, culture war crusades. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Matt Walsh? Maybe, no, it's someone in that vein. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think it's a brilliant... Um, it's a brilliant play by 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 the right. I mean, they they managed to to. Oh, Christopher Rufo. Oh, yeah, Rufo. Rufo, Rufo right. Rufo. Yeah, he's he's here in Sarasota. Really? He's the board member. Oh, of, right, right. Yeah, he's 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 now on the board of uh, governors or uh, trustees for uh, right. New College. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it was, it was a brilliant play. I mean, it 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 uses this this hyper marginalized group. Uh, they, the, the GOP doesn't have to give anything. All they have to do is take things away. Um, and, and they've been able to also draw in parts of the, the left and the center left into this crusade. Um, and then, you know, not only has it been popular and fear mongering within those, those political orientations, but then it forces the left to expend so much time yeah, responding and, and it, it, that, that this tactic reminds me of, um, like Marvel movies, the, the scene where, uh, you know, Batman, is he's got the Joker in his in his hands, and the Joker's like, "Oh, but Batman, look at like these these this this one person's gonna die if you if you you can either get me or you can save this one person." And Batman always chooses to save the one person, right? right? Because I think in that Marvel universe, that liberal mindset, you don't have to actually make a sacrifice. You don't have to like shed like innocent blood. That you you can have your cake and eat it too, when of course in the long run, like the Joker or a villain is going to kill like you know thousands <laughs> <Right>. more people <laughs> at once you let them go. So it 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 is this. It, liberals are put in this sort of bleeding heart, compassionate mindset. Um, of course, 
they're not. They're just as yeah. bad as conservatives in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, but they get to imagine themselves as like these superheroes saving everybody and getting the bad guy eventually. Cause they, cause you know, the, the, the moral arc of the universe well, thing, right? right? I, that's, that's where it's right. bending. And you, but, right. And, and the irony is that, right. Like they don't actually have, they don't, because they're so craven in their economic political orientation, they offer lip service to trans people, but they don't actually have any power to stop the madness that's going on in these state legislatures. And so they fundraise off of it, right? They fundraise for their own blue states off of the travesties that are going on in these places. But then when it comes to actually offering a political vision that could stop those things happening, they're, they're completely incapable of it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrifying. I mean, it's shocking. I mean, I, I have so many conversations in Washington about, you know, what, <laughs> how do we, how do we stop these, this madness at the state level? And it's like, well, you stop it by, by creating some kind of political platform that is more seductive to people than the culture war madness. And until some form of reproducible economic populism emerges, you know, that, that can simultaneously give people a different way of life and preserve you know, equal rights for, for, for all kinds of people. Like it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And so as journalists, I mean, we can, as a, as an industry do a much better job because the, I do think that our industry is captured by a kind of, um, almost like Munchausen sort of syndrome of, uh, like, Oh, we're so exhausted. Right. Oh, it's so, t it's so woe yeah. is me. It's so hard being a journalist. Like there is this sort of sympathy that journalists ask for in, in the industry right now. Uh, everyone's fucking working from home. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's like, you gotta be but, more. But, but I also think that feeling. like embedded in that sentiment is like a sort of unspoken subconscious realization from, from those people that like, their shit sucks and that like like they are kind of now cogs in a machine right like there's been all this discourse about ai taking over i think maybe we talked about this the other day but like you see buzzfeed and vice go under and everyone's like oh this is so sad like my my boy works at vice and it's like well your boy was like writing like shitty write-ups you know of the exact same crap that was coming out on cnn and so, I mean, part of that exhaustion, I feel like, I feel like, you know, sort of unspoken in that is like, right, you, you're all rewrite men. Like you're all just vomiting out copy of like covering Trump right. and covering the insane shit that's happening in these state houses. There's no, you know, BuzzFeed Investigations is gone. There's no Boston Phoenix with an investigative desk. You know, it's, it's so rare. And even the left wing magazines, uh, you know, kind of suck. They don't really do investigations. They don't really do new reporting. They do like anti-extremism reporting, which is just like, you know, the same shit that mm -hmm. the Times is going to do, that the Post is going to do. It's like, yeah, obviously these fascist nutjobs are fascist nutjobs, you know, is is one more hit piece about them in a small magazine <laughs> yeah, going to change it? That'll get what if you actually looked right. at corporate power? What if you actually looked at the systems that are, that are creating these freaks? Um, and so I think like there is this, you know, deadening and and i think a lot of these reporters don't even realize you know they think that they're like doing the lord's work like going you know taking a stand against the far right and it's like well actually if you like had the skills to investigate you know 
a couple layers down, you'd be much more effective. You'd probably feel better too because you wouldn't be just like rewriting the same crazy bullshit day in, day out. And and that's why I'm not too afraid of the whole chat GPT thing because it can't do actual journalism. I mean, it, I don't think a computer is going to be able to interview people. I mean, maybe one day, but a, like, it's not going to be able to interview people and then go to a place and act, and knock on an actual door. And I mean, I think you can use uh, this technology to make certain aspects of your life better. Like having to sort through documents is, you know, an yeah, awful, totally. an awful part of the job. If a computer can do that for you, great. That that should make investigative work totally. easier. Um, of course, the flip side here is um, the readers, our public, our audience, who are also oh, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> like the, everyone's in this. Like Americans just feel so bad for themselves. You know, it's like so hard. And I, I would ask, it's like stop reading, stop stop even clicking on shit you know is pointless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do I, I know it's tempting i know you you see someplace and it's just like oh uh the the top the like the top new like uh top 10 cheeseburgers yeah. or like don't click it don't get like because that feeds into that yeah, algorithm totally. no it, like do and pay for it like give money to these places that are actually doing work because Yes, you're feeding into the system. The system's feeding you, but you don't have to fucking eat it. You're not a pig <laughs> in a trough. Like, stop eating it. Stop is, eating that's it. That's how I, like I feel. It. That, that, yeah. that should be the catchphrase. Yes, stop stop eating shit. I like that. Stop eating <laughs> shit. Um, so we've gone a while. Uh, Daniel, I'm definitely going to be back on. But how should people read your good, important <laughs> non-slop? Uh, what should, where should uh, they go? You can check me out uh, on Twitter, Dr. Boguslaw, uh, or on the Intercepts website. Um, and yeah, got some big. I've got some big Florida stories cooking. So, and we're gonna work yeah. together on yeah. one of them. I, I think let's, it's gonna happen. So I'm looking forward to it. Hell yeah! Well, thanks for having me on.